0: You are listening to Rabbi Arya Woolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Living Jewishly Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Living Jewishly segment where we learn halacha, one full chapter of Jewish law every week. So it's a new topic. This Sunday evening is the first night of Hanukkah. And being the first night of Hanukkah, I thought it was important this week, instead of continuing in our regular order, I think we're up to chapter 8, is to instead jump to the laws of Hanukkah, which is chapter 139 in the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, and we're going to do the entire chapter. Now, it's a little bit longer than our typical summary, but there's a lot of details. It's an eight-day holiday. We're going to start Sunday night, and we're going to finish the following Sunday night with the lighting of the menorah and with all of the festivities as well is eight days long. So, let's jump right in. We're on page one, the background and history. During the era of the Second Temple, the Greek kingdom imposed evil decrees against the Jews to end their religion. They did not permit them to study Torah or perform the mitzvahs. They plundered their property, abducted their daughters, entered the temple, violating its sanctity and defiling its purity. The Hashmanians which were the sons of Yochanan, the high priest, with the help of Hashem defeated and killed the Greeks and delivered the Jews a victory. When the Jews triumphed over their enemies and destroyed them, it was the 25th day of Kislev, which is the beginning of Hanukkah. When the Kohanim entered the temple, the Beis HaMikdash, they found only one pure jar of oil with the untampered seal of the Kohen Gadol of the high priest. The oil was sufficient to burn for only one day. They lit the lights of the menorah with it, and it lasted for eight days until they were able to crush new olives and extract new pure oil. So what are the mitzvahs of Hanukkah? We're up to number four. Those are following along. For this reason, the sages ordained these eight days beginning on the 25th of Kislev as days of rejoicing and praise. We kindle lights in the evening near the entrance to the house every night in order to display and reveal the miracle. These days are called Hanukkah, which means chanu chaf hey. We rested on the 25th from the onslaught of our enemies. Another reason is that the construction, another reason for the holiday of Hanukkah, is that the construction of the Mishkan, the temple of the tabernacle, was also completed on the 25th day of Kislev, and this is in the Torah. This is one of the hints in the Torah for the holiday that's about to come about a thousand years later in the holiday of Hanukkah. Also, if you look in the Torah and you count from the beginning of Beresha, of Genesis, the 25th word in the Torah is or, which is light. And that's also a hint our sages tell us to the 25th day of Hanukkah, of Kislev, which will be the Festival of Lights, the holiday of Hanukkah. Number six, one should tell their family the story of the miracles that were performed to us and our forefathers during these days. It's a special time, and if you listen to my last podcast on Tuesday night, the Jewish Inspiration podcast, uh, I finished it off with a little personal story of my own miracle, my own Hanukkah miracle. And every year uh, in my childhood, I celebrated two birthdays, the day I was actually born, and the day that Hashem saved my life uh, as an infant. And I was in the hospital uh, with meningitis in critical condition and came home on the first night of Hanukkah. So we celebrated a second birthday. It's like Hashem gave me another, another life. So we have to be thankful. And that's the time. Hanukkah is the time thank Hashem for all of the miracles that we've experienced. And of course the greatest miracle is that the Jewish people were not destroyed by our enemies. There is no explicit mitzvah to feast on Hanukkah. It's Not like all the other holidays, there's a mitzvah to feast like you have on Purim, like you have on Pesach and Shavuot and Sukkot and Rosh Hashanah, Yom, Yom, not Yom Kippur, before Yom Kippur, after Yom Kippur. But there's no mitzvah to feast on Hanukkah. However, Whenever we sing the praises of Hashem during a meal, it becomes a feast of a mitzvah. So we can do that. You can do that every day of Hanukkah. You can have a feast of a mitzvah where you sing the praises of Hashem during your meal. And it becomes, what's the difference if it's a feast of a mitzvah? Well, uh, there's just a, side, a sidebar little thing is that if it's a feast of a mitzvah, Hashem says, I take the financial responsibility for it. So... You can borrow, so to speak, on Hashem, and Hashem says, I will pay for it. If you do a mitzvah, if you do a meal, a feast to celebrate and to thank Hashem for the miracles, I'm sure it falls into the same category. Hanukkah is a special time to give generously to charity, as these days are auspicious to correct flaws of the soul through the giving of charity, especially when it is given to support poor Torah scholars. Of course, you can always add torch to your list. Number nine, fasting and eulogy on Hanukkah is not permitted. You're not allowed to fast. Why? Because it's a, it's a festival. You're not allowed to fast and eulogize on Hanukkah. However, on the day prior to and after Hanukkah, it is okay, which generally would not be okay. The day prior already starts getting the, the eve of a holiday already is taking on the holiday. It, it overflows to both sides to the, so before and after each holiday, so Hanukkah is an exception to that. Work is permitted during the regular weekdays of Hanukkah. So on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of Hanukkah, it's you can work, you can go to work. It's not a prohibition, which on other holidays, it is a prohibition to work on those days. I just want to share a beautiful thing. So last week on Friday, because we have this beautiful new system here, um, I needed to get just a little piece of equipment, and Friday afternoon, which was early enough here in Houston, I go onto the internet and I search for this item and I go to B&H Photos, and B&H, as you may know, is owned by an Orthodox Jew who does not sell anything on Shabbos. The website is closed on Shabbos. This is the biggest electronic store in the world. It's an entire city block in New York City. And guess what? He's closed for Shabbos. Nothing. You can't click check out. You can browse all you want, but you cannot buy anything. And it says, due to the observance of Shabbat, we will be closed. Tomorrow you can come back, and it gives you the time when the website will be active again. That is what I call a true Kiddush Hashem, a glorification of God's name. It's an example. It's an example and a light to the world. And because already in New York, it was close to Shabbos, it was already Shabbos time. So it didn't let me, from Houston, it didn't let me buy anything from their site. I thought that's such a beautiful thing. Women follow the custom not to do any work during the time that the Hanukkah lights are burning. And the reason for that is because the cruelty of the evil Greeks were directed primarily to the Jewish women. The Jewish women are the foundation of the Jewish people. And if you get the Jewish women, you get the Jewish people. And... The Jewish brides were forced to lose their virginity to the Greek generals before their wedding. The miracle came through Yehudas, the daughter of Yohanan the high priest, who was very, very beautiful, and the king wanted her to be with him. She told him that she would fulfill his request. However, she first served him cheese dishes. He became very thirsty. She then gave him some wine, and then under intoxication, he fell asleep, to which she cut off his head and brought it to Jerusalem on a stake. And when the generals saw this, they saw their king was dead, they fled, and that's how the Jews were victorious. Some, don't mess with Jewish women. Don't ever mess with Jewish women. right? Some have the custom to eat dairy dishes on Hanukkah to commemorate this miracle as well. Again, there's no obligation, and you don't have to say, well, oh, I only eat dairy because it's Hanukkah, and you know that it's a custom, it's a nice thing to do. It's not an obligation. Oil and wicks. While it is ideal to use olive oil for the Hanukkah menorah, as was used in the temple, any oil that produces a clear and bright flame or even wax candles are permissible for the menorah lighting. One should not use two candles braided together as that would look like a torch And wax from houses of idol worship are repulsive and should not be used for the menorah. Those little, those candles that have stickers on them, you can find them in this, those are not considered idolatry. Those are probably made by Jews anyway in a Jewish factory, but those that's not what it's referring to. Wicks do not need to be replaced nightly. One may light with old wicks multiple times until they are used up. That's fine. As wax candles can heat one another, it is best to separate them so that they do not melt and ruin the other candles. All wicks are valid for the Hanukkah lights. I jump back to 17. But cotton wicks are ideal, I guess because it's the cleanest and it will shine the greatest light. Okay, now on to the menorah, number 20. As is proper with all mitzvahs, it is proper to adorn the mitzvah and beautify them. One should use a metal menorah and, if possible, even a silver menorah so that we beautify the mitzvah to the greatest of our ability. So you can have a little tinfoil menorah. You can have, there are many creative menorahs that you can make, but you want to beautify a mitzvah. That's why on Shabbos it's special to light the candles on Shabbos, so people want to beautify that mitzvah. The esrog that we shake, the lulav, People buy a beautiful silver box for the estrog, or they buy a beautiful bag for their talis. The idea is you want to beautify the mitzvahs. And it's a special, special thing that we, you know, any times, you know, you don't just, guys, guys, this is for the guys. You don't just go to the store and buy your wife flowers. You look for the most beautiful flowers. You're doing a mitzvah, you do it in the most beautiful way. And the mitzvahs represent our relationship with Hashem. So we do the same thing. We want to beautify that mitzvah. A menorah made of earthenware becomes repulsive after one use and therefore should not be reused. It is proper for each member of the household to light their own menorah. One candle should be lit on the first night, two candles on the second, and so on. The menorah lights should be in an even row. One should not be higher than the other. Our sages teach us that the menorah is like all the Jewish people. We're all different. We all go different directions. But no one is higher than anyone else. No one is loftier. Everyone should be on the same level. The shamash represents the Almighty. He ignites us all. That's higher. There should be space between the lights so the flames do not combine and look like a torch. Page number two. If someone has no menorah, but only has a single dish filled with oil and places multiple wicks in it, if there is a perforated cover on it, each wick counts as a separate light. However, if no such cover is on it, it resembles a torch and then does not even count as one light. It's just one big flame and it doesn't count as any of them. Two people should not light from the same menorah. For example, on day one, Two people should not light a single light on the opposite ends of the menorah since there is no way to tell how many candles are being lit for that night. No, everyone can light together, meaning you can light combined on one, but two separate people should not light one menorah on different sides. You know, I'm going to put my one over here. You're going to put your one over here on the same menorah, exactly, on the same menorah. Yeah, no, no, you're good, you're good. All right. What's the proper placement? Each person should place the menorah in a separate place, meaning not right on top of each other. You should have them along the window. You can place them right alongside each other so that they can easily be, it can easily, easily be recognized how many lights are lit that night. The menorah should not be lit on the same place where candles are lit all year long. So it is obvious that these are Hanukkah lights. It is a mitzvah to light the menorah in the doorway facing the street in order to publicize the mitzvah. This is done by placing the menorah within six inches of the left doorpost walking in so that the mezuzah will be on the right and the Hanukkah light on the left. This way you'll be surrounded with mitzvahs. Since we live among non-Jews, some choose to light inside the house by a window facing the street. The menorah should be placed within range of vision, which is ideally 3 tfachim, which is 12 inches from the ground, and below 10 tfachim, which is 40 inches from the ground. That's the average height that people look at. But if it is placed above 10 tfachim, it is still okay. Above 40 inches is still okay. However, not higher than 20 amos, 40 feet. So if you're in a high-rise building... You got. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, that's outside the the range of vision and therefore should not be lit above forty feet high. If one lives in the upper floors of a high rise building above forty amos, above forty feet, it is recommended to place the menorah near the door. And you can do that either near the door of the building or you can do it near the door of your apartment. Now, what's the proper timing? The proper time to light the menorah is immediately after the stars appear and one should not delay. My rabbi says that in the northern hemisphere, it should be 13 and a half minutes after sunset. That's when the stars are starting to appear, 13 and a half minutes after sunset. Now, again, that doesn't mean you have to be like 13 minutes and 30 seconds. The idea is not to delay it and for it to be done properly. The menorah lights should burn for at least a half hour after the stars are visible. So I just want to give a disclaimer. If you buy those candles, the traditional candles, like the Manashevitz candles, and this is not a knock on Manashevitz, so please don't sue me, okay? They're great candles. I use them my whole life, okay? But they don't always light a half hour. So you want to see to it that you have a candle that lights for more than a half hour if you're using a candle. If you're using oil, generally, any amount of oil will last more than that. Before lighting the menorah in the evening, it is forbidden to do anything. Even studying Torah is forbidden. Well, you're supposed to light at the beginning of evening. So don't say, you know what, I'm just going to sit and learn with my study partner. And when I'm done, I'll light the menorah. Just light the menorah right away. Why? Because you're going to forget. It's not something we do every day of the year. And you're going to fall into your regular pattern. That way you don't forget. And that way uh, it doesn't slip away from you. One should, however, pray the arvit, the evening services, prior to lighting the menorah. The entire household should gather for menorah lighting so the miracle be proclaimed publicly. One should pour enough oil into the menorah to burn for at least a half hour after the stars are visible. If one mistakenly or inadvertently did not light in the proper time, they should light and recite the blessings if others in the household are still awake. So what happens if you you traveled, you get back at 10 o'clock at night, you get home and someone is still awake, great, light the menorah then with a blessing. But if everyone is sleeping, you get home at two o'clock in the morning, light the menorah, but you don't recite the blessings. If others in the household are still awake, however, if the family is all asleep, one should light the menorah without a blessing. If one knows that they will be unavailable to light the menorah at night, for example, if someone's getting on a flight at three o'clock in the afternoon, They're flying to Europe. They're not going to be able to light a menorah on the plane, and they're not going to be able to light a menorah till they get there, which is going to be ready the next day. So what do you do? So you light the menorah after Plagamenech, which is an hour and a quarter halachic hours before sunset. Anybody know what halachic hours are? Halachic hours are like this. If you take the daylight time and you divide it into twelve that's halachic hours. So if 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 sunrise is at 6 o'clock in the morning and sunset is at 6 o'clock in the evening, then every hour will be 60 minutes. But if sunrise is at 5 o'clock and sunset is at 8 o'clock, then you have not a 12-hour day, you have a 15-hour day, and you divide that into 12, and you'll have an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes is each halachic hour. And the evening will be condensed. There won't be a sixty-minute hour for the evening time. It'll be probably about forty-five minutes. You could do the math if you're a mathematician, with David, and figure out exactly the amount of time. But the idea is the halachic hours. so it can be an hour and a quarter halachic hours before sunset, provided that there is enough oil to burn until a half hour after the stars are visible. What's the order of lighting? On the first night, the further most. Light facing your right hand side should be lit. Okay. So all we start all the way on the right. And then every day on the second night and each subsequent night, a light should be added to the left of the previous lights, night's light. A new light to the left is added and kindled first and then light the one to the right. So you will always work right is always the most prominent. You start with the right. And then every day you'll work your, your way to the right, always of the exactly. So you'll write this light the new one and then the old one, the new one and then the two old ones, and then the new one and then the three old ones. Okay, the blessings as we have here are blessed are you Hashem, our God, king of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to kindle the Hanukkah light. That's the first blessing. The second is, Blessed are you Hashem, our God, King of the Universe, who performed miracles for our forefathers in those days at this time. And then the last is, uh, Blessed are you Hashem, our God, King of the Universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this occasion. On the first night of Hanukkah, All three blessings are recited prior to lighting the menorah. On the other nights of Hanukkah, we do not recite the third blessing of Shehechiyano. After reciting the blessings, while kindling the lights, we say Haneris Halalu out loud, which is right here. I printed it on the sheets, which is praising Hashem for all of the incredible miracles that He has given us. Number 46, The core of the mitzvah of menorah is the lighting. As we discussed in our Talmud class, you can listen to the podcast on the Thinking Talmudist podcast. It is the lighting. Therefore, one should be careful that before lighting the menorah, the menorah should be prepared in a proper place and have the proper amount of oil. Making changes after the menorah is lit renders the lighting invalid And the menorah must be relit. So let me give you an example here. What happens is like this. If you light the menorah someplace, and then you say, oh, I was supposed to light it by the window, and you bring it to the window, it's the lighting. The lighting has to be in the right place. So now moving it to the right place, you have to relight it in the right place. Shabbat can be anywhere. No, you're not supposed to move them after, but it doesn't need to be in a place where it's, well, it needs to be visible only for, for kiddish. It needs to be visible. Some people have the beautiful custom to put it on the Shabbos table so that they can enjoy. It can add to the romance element. If you think it started in Italian restaurants, you're wrong. It started in Jewish households. But that's the idea is you want to have that atmosphere and you want to enjoy the, enjoy the Shabbos lights. The Hanukkah lights we don't enjoy. We're not allowed to enjoy them. We're not to derive any pleasure from them. You can look at them only. And that's part of what we see here in this, in this phrase that we say, uh, during lighting, during kindling the lights. We say, and we are not permitted to make use of them, but only to look at them. We're only allowed to look at the lights. Our sages teach us that the lights infuse spirituality and holiness. They cleanse our eyes. They infuse our soul, our neshama, with holiness and spirituality. Number 48. If the menorah lights are extinguished, it is proper to rekindle them again. It is proper to be strict and not rekindle an extinguished light from another Hanukkah light, but instead light only from the shamash or from some other source. So we don't use the Hanukkah lights even to light another Hanukkah light. We use only the shamash, and that's what the shamash is there for, and we're going to talk about that right now. What is the shamash? It is forbidden to derive any benefit from the lights of the menorah. Therefore, it is the custom to place the shamash near the candles so that if one mistakenly uses the light for any reason, it will be considered of the shamash light that was used. One should place the shamash a little noticeably higher than the other lights so that it is recognizable that it is not one of the required numbers of lights. So if you have six lights on the sixth night of Hanukkah, and you have one light which is higher, you'll notice that that's the shamash and that it's the sixth night. You won't think that, oh, it's the same level, it's seven, the seventh night. You don't want to make that mistake. So the shamash is always a little bit higher. Now, synagogue. The menorah should be lit publicly in the synagogue with the proper blessings. So the regular services that go on daily in all of the synagogues should include the menorah lighting publicly and all the blessings should be recited. The person who lights the menorah in the synagogue should repeat the blessings again when lighting at home. The menorah is placed near the southern wall, front southern wall of the synagogue and it is kindled between Mincha and Mariv. One does not fulfill their obligation with the lighting of the menorah in the synagogue. Each person should light again in their own home. So someone shouldn't say, well, you know what, I saw the, I did the lighting in the synagogue, I'm good. No, you have to light again in your home. Now, what do we do with a mourner? A mourner should not be the one to light the menorah in the synagogue on the first night of Hanukkah. Why? Since we recite the blessing of Shehechiyanu, Shehechiyanu should not be recited publicly by a mourner. A mourner can say Shehechiyanu in his own private home, and an onayn, an onain is a mourner prior to the burial of the deceased. Prior, Okay, a mourner prior to the burial who is not obligated in any mitzvot until after burial should not light the menorah, but instead should let someone else recite the blessings and light the menorah, and he, the onain should respond amen. Women and children, although women are not obligated to time-bound mitzvahs, they are obligated to kindle the menorah because they were directly involved in the miracle of Hanukkah. A woman may light the menorah on behalf of her entire family. A child who has reached the age to be trained for mitzvahs, which is the age of 12, should also light a menorah. Now, you can have a child at the age of three light a menorah. That's fine. But at the age of 12, you should... Encourage them to do so even if they don't want to. A blind person should partner by contributing financially towards buying the oil and wicks and thus fulfilling his obligation through his partnership. If he has a wife, she should light the menorah for him. A blind person who is alone and has no menorah partner should light with someone else's assistance. Erev Shabbos, right before Shabbos and right after Shabbos, what do we do? On Erev Shabbos, the menorah, should be lit before the Shabbos candles, because as soon as you light the Shabbos candles, it's Shabbos. You can't light more candles. So you light the menorah first, and then you light the Shabbos candles. It is proper to pray mincha before lighting the menorah, and many synagogues will have an earlier minyan for mincha so that people can go home, light the menorah, light the Shabbos candles, and then return for the Shabbos services. One should pour enough oil into the menorah to burn for at least a half hour after the stars are visible. It's particular with Friday night when you're lighting a little bit earlier than typically. You should, um, why? Because you light the candles 18 minutes, you light the Shabbos candles 18 minutes prior to sunset, which is about 40 minutes prior to, to the stars being visible. And then it still needs to be another half hour after that. But anyway, if you put a nice little spill of the olive oil into the cups, it should last for more than that amount of time. One who lights the menorah near the door should be very careful to place something between the menorah and the door so that the wind will not blow it out when the door opens and closes. And that's something you don't want to do particularly on Shabbos because if the lights get extinguished during Shabbos, you can't relight them on Shabbos. So... The halacha says to be extra careful to ensure that it doesn't get blown out. Havdalah should be recited. Havdalah, which is after Shabbos, should be recited before lighting the menorah. So that way you take out the Shabbos and then you light the menorah. In synagogue, the menorah should be lit before reciting v'yitin Lecha, which is part of our Saturday night prayer. What do we do if someone's traveling? Number 68. If one is traveling and away from home, and they know that their wife is lighting back home the menorah for you, a menorah should also be lit wherever the traveler is without reciting the blessing. So let's say someone has a business trip. They can't get out of it. They're at a conference. They can't get out of it. They got to be there for their job. So if their wife is lighting back home for them, that's great. He fulfills his mitzvah, but it's best for him to also light the menorah wherever he is but without a blessing. When traveling it's always best to hear the blessing from someone else who's lighting and have in mind to fulfill the obligation with their blessing, respond main, and then light the menorah without a blessing. If someone's wife is not lighting a menorah at home for them, or, for example, a yeshiva student who's boarding at a family, which used to be very common. The yeshivas didn't have dormitories and big facilities, so they would put people in, in, in local homes. They would be boarding at local homes. So... They should light their own menorah and say the blessings. Alternatively, one can partner with the head of the household by giving some money to share in the menorah's oil and wicks. You give 25 cents, you give a dollar, and now you're a partner in the expenses of the menorah, and now they're lighting on behalf of you as well. It is proper for the head of household to add a bit more oil than is required for their partners. It is also best for each person to light their own menorah. Always the best thing for every person to light their own menorah. Someone who is not home but in town should return home to light the menorah when it is time to light. So a person shouldn't say, you know what? I'll just I'll get home whenever I get home. No, it's best get home, light the menorah at the right time, and then go back doing doing what you're doing. So even if someone is working, they're a lawyer and they sit at work, you know, till eleven o'clock at night come home, light the menorah, spend some time with your family, and then go back to work. The remaining oil after Hanukkah, since the oil is used for the menorah and it is a mitzvah, it shouldn't be simply discarded after Hanukkah, but it should be burned. Additionally, one should not derive benefit from the oil unless an advanced provision is made. There's some people who use that oil for some type of medical use because it's special mitzvah oil. You have to make that provision in advance. Okay, the prayers of Hanukkah. Now we're done with the menorah. If there's any questions, we'll take the questions after regarding the menorah. Now we're just going to talk quickly. The last few halachas about the prayers of Hanukkah, the Torah reading of Hanukkah, and Rosh Chodesh, which always falls out during Hanukkah. The prayers of Hanukkah. During the eight days of Hanukkah, we add Al Hanisim for the miracles. It's a special prayer that we add in the Shemona Esrei, in the Amidah, after Modim, after giving thanks to Hashem. And in the benching, when we give grace after meals, we also add it after Noda Lecha, after giving thanks. If one forgot to say al Anisim and became aware of it before saying Hashem's name in the following blessing, they should return to say al Anisim, to say for the miracles. However, if Hashem's name was already said, they should continue and not turn back. Throughout Hanukkah, we recite the complete Hallel right after the Chaz's repetition of the Amidah, and we do not say Tachanun, the supplications. We do not say Kel Erech HaPayim, nor Tzitkash HaTzedek by the morning Shacharist prayer. Torah reading. Each day of Hanukkah, we read from the Torah and call up three men. We read from the chapter of the Offerings of the Princes, which is in the weekly portion of Parshas Nasso, And on Shabbos Hanukkah, two Sifrei Torah, two Torah scrolls are taken out of the ark. From the first Torah, we read the weekly Torah portion. And from the second, we read the Maftir of the day that corresponds to that day of Hanukkah. For the Haftorah, we read Roni Vesimchi, which is Sing and Rejoice, from Zechariah chapter 2, Verse 14. If there is a second Shabbos Hanukkah, for example, if, Shabb- if Hanukkah begins on Friday night, so then you're going to have that Friday night and the following Friday night, because Friday night Shabbos, Friday night Shabbos, you can have two Shabbos Hanukkahs. In such a case, we read the maftir on the second Shabbos, the second Shabbos Hanukkah from Kings, the first Kings 7, chapter 7, verse 40, about Solomon's menorah. Okay, now. I need you to just focus for a little bit. I know we've been going long on this, but we're up to the final stretch here. Rosh Chodesh Teves. Right now we're in the month of Kislev. The end of Hanukkah, we finish with the month of of Teves already kicks in. So we have two days of Rosh Chodesh. When Rosh Chodesh Teves occurs on a weekday, two Torah scrolls are taken out of the ark. From the first one, we read the portion of Rosh Chodesh and call up three men. And then we call up a fourth person to read from the second Torah, the Hanukkah reading. So there's a very important, a very general rule that we know in all of halakha. And because this is a halakha class where we're learning about Jewish law, it's important to know this halakha. And that is very simple. And that's number 83. The halakha teaches us that we always give precedence to a regular practice over an occasional practice. Therefore, since Rosh Chodesh is more frequent than Hanukkah, we read the Rosh Chodesh Torah reading before the Hanukkah one. We always do the regular practice over the occasional practice. So, what happens if you have Shabbos and Hanukkah and Rosh Chodesh? Which we'll see in a minute. Okay, if by mistake the Hanukkah reading began first, the reading should be completed and then the other aliyos of Rosh Chodesh should be read. The other Torah parts, of for the Torah readings for Rosh Chodesh should be read. If they forgot to switch Torahs for the fourth Aliyah for Hanukkah, so you're supposed to read three for Rosh Chodesh, call up three people for Rosh Chodesh, have a fourth person for Hanukkah, but what's if they forgot to switch Torahs for the fourth Aliyah for the Hanukkah reading, and instead they read the fourth Aliyah for Rosh Chodesh, like we typically do on Rosh Chodesh? We have four. They should call a fifth Aliyah on the second Torah and all this so that the second Torah not be slighted and wrongly concluded that it might be a defective Torah. We don't want to hurt the Torah's feelings, right? We don't want to insult the Torah that they're gonna. The people will think that the Torah was defective and that's why we didn't read from it. So we call up a fifth person to the Torah. It's an extraordinary halacha. Just not to sort of Insult, and what's the? We have a similar thing when we talk about the covering of the challah. Why do we cover the challah? So the challah not be insulted that it's take that the wine gets precedence, and the wine is being because we always start a meal with bread, and now we're starting the meal with the wine. We don't. We don't want to hurt the challah's feelings. Last I checked, challahs don't have feelings. So why do we do this? To teach us how to cure for our fellow man the sensitivities we need to have for another human being. It is so important. It is so precious how the Torah teaches us and guides us the proper conduct. There's a story related to the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim was once a guest. He used to travel a lot and sell his books all over. He was once a guest in someone's home. And as they walk home from shul, they're about to start the Friday night dinner. The host calls to his wife. He's like, where's the cover for the challah? Where's the cover for the challah? The Chavetz Chaim pulls him aside. He says, why do we cover the challah? He said, so we don't embarrass the challah. He says, oh, but your wife, you could embarrass? You have to apply it to practical application. You have to be so careful about someone else's feelings, not to hurt them, not to say something that could be, uh, God forbid, offensive. So when Rosh Chodesh occurs on Shabbos, three Torah scrolls are taken out. The first one, we call up six men and read the weekly Torah portion. We then call up the seventh person and we read from the second Torah, the Rosh Chodesh reading. And then we call up an eighth person and read from the third Torah, the Hanukkah reading. After all Torah readings, the half-Kaddish is recited always. Okay, and then just some of the other customs that we have on Hanukkah. These are not halachas. You don't have to play dreidel. You don't have to eat latkes and uh, have donuts, but that's a custom. It's a beautiful custom to play dreidel. That was the... uh, the, the fallback when the Greeks came in and said, are you studying Torah? And they would be spinning the dreidel, hiding their books. Um, so that's a custom for people to play dreidel. Uh, eating foods that are cooked in oil, most commonly latkes and sufganiyot, because the miracle with the oil is something that we want to take in. And because the Greeks were so busy with their physique, we try to get fat. Most importantly... Hanukkah is a time of tremendous power for prayer. Our Sages tell us the importance of prayer on Hanukkah cannot be understated. It is so important. Prayer on Hanukkah is so powerful. There are people who utilize this time when they're standing by the menorah to pray. It's an incredibly powerful time for prayer. And lastly, shine your light to the world. We talked about this in the in the Hanukkah Roundtable podcast, share your light with the world. That's our job. Our job, that's why it's the only mitzvah we put by our front window. We don't only show about the miracles in the past. We're showing about present day. We're not hiding our Judaism. We're not running away from it. We wear it on our sleeve. We wear it with pride. Show the world what it means to be an example of bringing godliness into this world. I know this was a long one, but it was well worth it for me. I hope you enjoyed it, and hopefully we will have an amazingly uplifting spiritual Hanukkah filled with light in our lives, filled with light in every corner of the world. We should shine that light forth. My dear friends, have a beautiful Hanukkah, and thank you so much for joining me today.